Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? For the here and now, I want to start selling out Salah Stadium before we, we kind of jump ship over to the Aviva. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. GAA Late Night, live every Sunday evening, 8.30 on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off The Ball. How are you doing? And you're very welcome along to another episode of GAA Late Night. This is the Championship Phone-In Show. We're going to be live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday night from 8.30pm and we'd love it if you joined us. It's your chance to have your say on the Championship action. All you have to do is join the space, listen in and request to speak next Sunday night. We're going to jump into this week's episode with Dahi Regan, an All-Ireland winner with Offaly and former Galway Jewel star Barry Cullinan. There was only one place to start. Galway beating Mayo. Barry, you're welcome to the party. You're back from Castlebar. Sure, I'm lad. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was uh, I thought traffic in Pier Stadium getting out after a championship match was tough, but uh, certainly getting out of Castlebar matches it and getting through Ballon Robe was no better. So uh, back in the homeland and uh, basking in what was a great win for for Galway football. Yeah, a great win. Is that how you're putting it? You, um, you nearly got caught. And Mayo were incredibly flat in that second half. Yeah, we did. Um, we nearly got caught. But I, I think, and I think it's, it'll be with GA and not, um, you know, we, we have to think of, of Kate Moore and her her dad, Kyle, and, and her, ma, her mom, Mary, and what they're going for is a great release. But there's a dark cloud over Galway GA. And today just, I suppose, has given given everyone a lift. And I guess it's ironic that, that Dahi's on the show. Dahi, you would have had a, a few great battles with that that famous Aston Wright team that, that Cahill Moran was on. And I'm sure you're you're all thinking of of their family as well this weekend. But yeah, sport is a great release. But I think it was. I think you can take, um, and excuse me if I go on a bit here, but you can kind of take the game in two facets, maybe at a, at a macro level. I think Galway tactically got it spot on. I think they outworked Mayo. They took better decisions than Mayo. Um, I think overall deserved deserved the win, probably by a margin that was a little bit more than than what it was at the end. Um, on the flip side of that, I think Mayo got it got it completely wrong. They seemed to only kind of get the message for the last fifteen minutes of the first half and the last six minutes of the second half that with the template that Galway had employed it needed huge energy and huge pace and they went lateral for most of the game. And I think that was a huge mistake by then. Um, if you look at it at a micro level, I thought some of their, their shot selection was extremely rare. Um, Aiden Arm, you know, to have the courage to go for that score at the end. But but that was one where you make the ref make a decision. Um, you don't shoot from, from probably what was a 15, 20% uh, percentage shot. Um, and there have been plenty of Plenty of opportunities before that. Matthew Rowan had had a few terrible decisions as well. They're shooting. Yeah, they're, they're shooting was they're shooting. Yeah, yeah, they're shooting was terrible. Like yeah, that. exactly. And they, but even but even if you even if you drill down a little bit further, Dahi, and I, I actually mentioned this in a in a preview on another show during the week, to see Killian O'Connor line up a free twenty five meters from goal with his left foot because they didn't have a left footed forward on the pitch, like that that that's. That was a real big, big mistake by Mayo. They didn't have anyone that, you know, when they didn't have Robbie Henley, they were relying on Killian O'Connor to kick a 45, a guy who hasn't played in, you know, well over a year with a dodgy Achilles. And when he came out for a real clutch one near the end, you know, it, he was never going to score it. And, and on the flip sorry, yeah, sorry. just on that, just on that, I want to bring Phelan McEnumber in in a second. Dahi, do you think it's criminal that Mayo have never had a left-footed free-taker that they can rely on over the last decade with all they've done. I'm going to bring Phelan in here now in a second, but I just want to get a word from you on that. Well, if you go back over all Ireland winning football teams over the years, I mean, not every kicker. Um, a lot of a lot of teams that have won All-Ireland had great free-takers. Great free-takers can kick the ball over the bar irrespective of, of where where it's at. So, but but having said that, like I mean, Killian O'Connor has been struggling over the last year, a couple of years with injuries, and I mean to be fair about it, there was even question marks over whether he should have even started today or whether now he's limited to kind of impact fifteen twenty minutes. But he's not an explosive type of player, to be fair about it. But he's a very gifted footballer. But 
has he ever been a free taker that nails 90% of the chances, 95%? No, he never has been. Absolutely okay. never has been. Okay. So yeah. I think it's not really a case of the left or right. I think it's just a top quality, okay. you know, finisher from, from freeze that they lack. Perfect. I want to bring in some of our callers. We have a couple of callers lined up. Phelan, McInumery, you're very welcome to GA Late Night. Let's hear you. What do you want to talk about? Oh, geez, I'm just too happy, to be honest, Tommy. Um, uh, delighted that Galway got out of there, to be honest. Um, I thought they just fell apart towards the end. I think there was there was no there was no plan to see the game out, and uh, they changed the way they were playing. It was found a bit wanting, but uh, to be honest, I think you know, I think on the balance of the seventy minutes. We were we were definitely the better team. Um, I have a lot of Mayo fans now getting on to me now. You know, I went to went to went to NUIG, so um, I'm in plenty of WhatsApp groups now with 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 college colleagues. I'm sure, sure I have some fellow there from Fox are telling me that he thinks we were lucky to win because Mayo had eight wides in um, in the second half. And sure, I know Foxford's known for its mills, but it's something else they're spinning up there. If he thinks that, to be honest. Um, so uh, yeah, look, I think it's uh, I I'm over the moon to be honest. Uh, I thought. I thought we had a chance. I mean, look at it, but let's let let let's face some facts as well. They're missing Durkin, missing Flynn, missing um, missing Conroy, um, both in goal. Okay, okay. Hold on the line there, Phelan and Barry. Hold on the line there. I want to bring in uh, Connor Dolan. Just want to see what Connor has to say here. Connor's been hanging on the line there for the last couple of minutes. We're going to come back to Galway and Mayo. Connor, how are you doing? Where are you calling in from? How are you, Tommy? Welcome, Connor. Here, just a quick one, lads. Loving the podcast and all that jazz. Just uh, yet, I'm a newbie to Galway here from Kildare originally, but the Keen O'Neill factor, like, <clears throat> he has a number on the previous management roles he's had previously. But today's tactic, it just seemed they had, like, four Galway lads across the D, and, like, Goldfish Mayo kept trying to run into them. How, like, how did Mayo not change it up at all? Barry, do you want to jump in there? <laughs> I I would imagine that that's probably the question. Ninety nine point nine percent of Mayo fans leaving uh, Mikhail Park were asking today. But like Keen O'Neill deserves huge credit, but the template was set. The template was set in terms of that's exactly what Kerry did in the league final. But it's also exactly what Kevin Walsh did in numerous occasions against Mayo, and Mayo were found wanting. And I think that's a big a big question mark over Mayo mm-hmm. management when they probably. They woke up this morning, Tommy. They probably knew God we're gonna to have to go a little bit defensive on this. How are we gonna how are we gonna get round it? And yeah, didn't come up with the answers today, and they didn't come up with the answers in Kevin Welch's time, and they've struggled against that template before. So, you know, it's not an outlier. And uh, as I said, it's certainly a question a lot of Mayo fans are gonna be asking when they were going home to see them. I presume I presume James Horan and I suppose I am speaking from here, but he does have a record amount of Connacht titles, and this is the first time he's ever lost to Galway. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly is. I think nine times previously he played Galway in the league and championship and, and hadn't been beaten. Um, and that's a brilliant record. Is our Connacht titles enough for me? Oh, football right now? I don't think so. I think the game meant different things to, to, to either camp. Um, you know, for Parik, it was just really important to get that win over Mayo under his belt. And just, just one thing on Parik Joyce is that, you know, come what may about his managerial career with Galway, whether they go on and win numerous All-Irelands or they crash out in a Connacht final or Connacht semi-final from now on, that jersey, what this county, what the Galway people mean to him. And you can see the emotion that it meant afterwards. And I, for one, knowing him well, I'm absolutely delighted for him because, you know, he didn't come into this job for uh, for anything he was going to get out of it. He did it primarily to, to try and benefit Galway and benefit the Galway footballers. And as I said, you know, no one deserves it more, deserves this win more than him. But that's, um, that's, uh, that's, that's a fair one. I think today was a massive, massive result for him. And I think Connor was interesting. The first thing you went to was Keane O'Neill. And I think there'll be a lot of talk about O'Neill's role. And I suppose Kevin Walsh's role. Kevin Walsh is going to be on OTBM tomorrow morning. Uh, Kevin Walsh's paw prints were all over that, uh, that Galway setup today. I want to ask Phelan a quick question before I let you go, Phelan. Uh, there's two sides to it. How far do you think Galway are going? And don't get coy here. And do you think it's the end of the road for Mayo this year? Will they make it to another All Ireland final? Um, 
Oh, Galway's, it's, it's a massive game against Roscommon. Um, I tip it slightly in Galway's favour, uh, but look, Roscommon turned us over in the league final. Jesus. Um, yeah, what about had, Leitrim? Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, of course, Leitrim. Sorry now, Tommy, like, like, look, I'm on the, I'm on the celebra- celebratory whiskey as well, so I'm not as coherent as, as the rest of them are um, as well, but... Uh, yeah, look, and I think it's I think it's still still gonna be a challenge. Um, Mayo, you know, look at I think a quarter a semi final for Galway would be brilliant. And once we, if we get there, who knows what can happen? Um, Mayo, I, I think Mullins a huge blow. Um, that looked like an awful injury today, which is awful for them. Um, and I saw that I think Pat Blan said that it's looking likely now that they'll have to beat both Kerry and Dublin to reach in All Ireland. Um, so that might be might be very very tricky for them. But look at I mean, if anyone can do it, it's William Mayo. Um, I mean tonight I'm just gonna focus on the bragging rights, Tommy. Okay. I'm delighted. I'm being uh, an incredible pest to all my Mayo mates tonight. Um, just like it, just just texting them, gloating and all sorts of stuff. I'm just give me this 24 hours and um, look at Mayo. Will probably go on and do for the next 24 hours. It's all Galway. Okay, Phelan, thanks for calling in, Connor Dolan. I, thanks I, for calling in. I, I, I'm taking 52 weeks. Never mind 24 hours. There you go, Barry. Barry, you hang on there, will you? And Dahi, hang on a second. I want to bring Sean Keyes in here. Uh, we're going to come back to the Galway Mayo game in a couple of minutes. And Dahi, I have a couple of questions about Mayo for you. But Sean Keyes, I believe you're dialing in from Armagh. We've lost Sean there. Um, Dahi, you were defending this Mayo team a little earlier on. You thought they were shipping a bit too much abuse. Were you not yeah. very disappointed with that second half today? Well, taken in context, it's so good to listen to people ringing in tonight and having a chat about Galway's victory today and the enjoyment and I understand that you must remember this is a really incessant rivalry between these two counties Mayo at this stage are being judged on their ability to win an All-Ireland final like Galway have been playing understudy to Mayo for quite a while so that's a huge victory for Galway today you mentioned Kevin Walsh's fingerprints all over. Christ almighty tonight, that guy was pillared from pillar to post by people, including Galway people, for the brand of football Galway were playing previously, which was considered very, you know, so defensive. Now Keane O'Neill is getting great plaudits on, on the back of one victory. So, you know, everybody just settled for a minute on this. Mayo will be at the cutting edge of the championship later on. And Mayo will play their best football in Crow Park. You know, but listen, Galway did what they had to do today and it's a huge victory for them and they can fall back on this. But I was pointed out by the previous caller correctly, if anybody thinks this is a done deal, like the Rossies are good and have proven themselves against Galway over the last few years and beaten Galway actually over the last five or six years have a super record against them. So this isn't a done deal. You know, enjoy the night tonight, Galway. But, let, you know, you've got to keep a, a, a semblance of balance on this thing. Mayo are not gone away and will be at the cutting edge later in the year. 100% they will. Tommy, I hope you haven't gone on mute. Get Dahi, no, no, no. Get I was just, just trying to add in Owen there. Owen, okay. I don't know if you're with us. Sorry about that, Dahi. Uh and I would like to hear from some Mayo fans a little later. I can see a lot of them listening in there. I would like to hear what they're all there for a little while. Are you? Have you got something to say? Do you want to add something to the chat we're having here? You're on mute there, so you just got to unmute your mic in the bottom left-hand corner. Hello? David. Hello. Owen, how are you doing? How are you? How are you now? Is that Owen or David? Uh, David. David, how are you doing? Where are you coming from? Loud. Where are you calling Loud. Them? Come on, what do you want to chat about? I just sample, right? Different class, isn't he? Okay, let's hear it. What did he do today? Scored the first goal. Yeah, he just ran the show, to be honest. Ran the show. Really? Guys, he's an animal, I'm telling you. Listen, him and Dan Cork ran the show. Were you in Navin? I was. Okay, and how, like, Loud, we're, we're seeing this Loud rising here. Have Loud got their best chance at a rattle at Leinster? Not this year, next year. No, no I'm not, I don't okay. think this year. I think there's a lot of learnings to come. I think two or three years, and then... There's a lot of young boys in that team still as well. Sam Roy did an interview a couple of weeks ago and it got picked up across the board. I think a lot of people were struck by uh, how confident or how assertive he came across about his own ability. I thought it was fantastic to hear a player talking like that. Um, what what way did it go down and loud? Uh, uh, in opposition clubs, it didn't go down the best, but you have to be confident. You can't be hiding behind the sheets the whole time, if you know what I mean. You have to be like, yeah. he has to be an inspiration for young fellas to go on and be that way, if you know what I mean. 
Like he can't be. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's certainly how I would have thought. I thought he had, so he's obviously shot the lights out. I in... didn't, but I'm really interested to ask the question because it's a really honest answer you're giving there when you say it won't be this year, it might be a year or two. My question is, does that mean it'll be with or without Mickey Hart for if they're to do it next year or the following year? If that's the belief you think you have, does it mean Mickey Hart needs to stay on? Is he the one that you have the faith in or does it matter who, who comes in? What's your view on that? Yeah. I, well, you'd you'd have to say there's him. Like, there hasn't been much... Like, that team's been there, and he's been the one to sort of form that team. So you'd have to be the one. You'd have to think he's going to be the man to do it if there's anyone. If, he's, if he scored five goals like he did today, does that mean there's a sea change? Has Mickey kind of changed the way he's set up? Because, you know, his teams, even the great sides with Tyrone, wouldn't have been known for being massive goal scorers in the game. But Carlo were no mugs. Like, that's a huge score in return today from a goal's point mm-hmm. of view. Which means, obviously, you know, players are pouring forward and creating overlaps. Yeah, I but I do think there was a lot of mistakes in that defence. Like, I do think the goals came, like, they were nearly gifted to them, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I think in a different day, them goals don't go in. Okay. David, thanks for calling in. It's great to hear loud, motoring well, and the passion is back, and people are getting behind the uh, team. You're loud and proud. That's the man. Thanks for uh, we're crossing the border back into Galway, thank God. Okay, what do you want to chat to the boys well, about? What did you think of Galway today? Were you ha- like, were you impressed by them, or do you reckon it was just a bad bit Mayo performance rather than a good Galway one? Uh, I let Barry jump in now after me. Personally, I felt that Galway have a lot more in them, and that they were blessed not to get caught. I really think that Mayo were going to have a late charge always had it in them and I was surprised that Galway let them back into it the way they did in the last couple of minutes in fairness Barry it was probably a new enough system for Galway today yeah well it was we haven't seen it in the league um, obviously we were not privy to what goes on in Lock George on a, on a Tuesday and Thursday and maybe the league was a bit of rope-a-dope stuff um, and this was always the plan we're, we're not sure what I would know is that when Parik and, and his management team sat down when they were appointed in, appointed in the role, they certainly wouldn't have, have envisaged that this is the brand of football they would have played, but they definitely cut their cloth to suit their measure. But I think in terms of 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 how we played today, I think at the clutch moments we got them spot on. So like take Shane Walsh, for example, when we really not his most dominant display from play, but when we really needed the scores, he kicked three absolutely outrageous 40, well, I think two 45s and one free you know, Mayo just didn't have the players to do that. And I think if we can, I think someone mentioned our kickouts. I think they went a little bit astray, maybe not Conor Gleeson's fault. Um, I think if we can get that sorted, if we can just fine tune that this, that system, because one of one of the things that went against us in the first half is we were dropping guys back here. Malloy was going back in front of the D, Johnny Heaney was covering him, but it gave Jeremy O'Connor a huge amount of space. And I thought he did really, really well. Um, if we can fine-tune that system, get our kickouts right and keep our top players producing top moments, I think we're going, we're going to be a match for everyone. I'm, I'm not going to say we're going to win the All-Ireland, but I certainly think we're going to be in the mix come, coming down the straight. Well, it's a, it's a watershed win. They weren't able to get over the line in 2020 after that decent league campaign. Last year, they collapsed at halftime. Jonathan Higgins, if you're there, I'd like to throw a question at you. I know you're at the game today um, and you're covering it for Galway Bay FM. You might be on the you might be on the road, John. I've just pulled in. I'm in halfway back. Thanks for joining, John. I have a quick question for you, and I think it's the most important question of the day. Did Killian O'Connor dive? <laughs> um, do I take the maroon tinted glasses off or not? I haven't watched it back. I genuinely haven't watched it back at the time. I thought he did. I thought it was kind of one of those, but um, they didn't see uproar from the from the rest of the Mayo team. So that would kind of lead me to thinking that there mightn't have been as much in, in it as, as first went. Goldrick refed it in typical Goldrick style where he he let, he let a lot go. And strangely, two or three times in the second half when Galway had won freeze, and probably to be fair, Galway were milking it. But like I think there was at least twice where Galway players were getting treatment and the medics or the, the physios were on the team and he made Galway play away. That happened at least twice. So it was that type of game where it felt like on you on you go um, sort of mentality, keep on going, almost last man standing. But yeah, to answer your question, I 
I didn't think it was at the time. I didn't think it was a, a free at the time, but I, I'd have to see it back clearly. You guys probably had a better view in the, than me. Was it was it debatable? I thought it was very soft. I don't think it was a dive. Died Regan, I don't know what you think about that. I didn't think it was a free, no, but then it's going on in every single game. I mean, I didn't think it was a free, no. But did you think it was a dive? There was a lot of people suggesting that there's an element he though. He played for the free. He played for the free. In my view, from what I saw, he played for the free. 100% he did, yeah. Okay. Tommy, Tommy you, can I, blame, yeah. Would you blame a full forward for that? No, I, I look, I, I wouldn't hold it against him. Um, Jonathan made a good point about about David Goldrick kind of wave and play on a couple of times and Galway guys went down injured. I think that was a result. And I'd say if I was a Mayo fan, I wouldn't be overly happy. But you have to admire Galway. They, they upped it in the cute mistakes. Mm. A number of occasions during the 10 minutes when Finney O'Lee was on the ground, I know Shane Walsh in particular, they like even, even sorry, get to the start. That's when the black card is shown. Finney O'Lee took an age to get off the pitch. Shane Walsh went down injured a couple of times. Galway did use that period very, very well in terms of managing the clock. And I'd say it frustrated David Goldrick a little bit because he actually couldn't do anything about it. And I think as a result, he got a little bit touchy with the Galway players in terms of going down injured. And he made play, he, he made play get on a number of occasions. Jonathan, Jonathan's dead right. But look, Killing O'Connor probably wouldn't be the the darling of Galway football. He's had plenty of plenty of run-ins, but um, you know he was he was well within his rights to go down. But there was one incident, Jonathan. You probably saw it as well in front of the stand in the second half, where he was chasing a player, and I think it was Dylan McHugh, and he tripped him. I think that was probably a black. He got a yellow, but look, these things balance out, and I think on 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 the whole, David Goldrick got the got the game fairly spot on. Jonathan, you've been covering Galway for quite a while. Where do you feel they're at going into this uh, this charge for the Connacht title? They've got Leitrim up next at home. Are they? Is there an is there an element of them getting ahead of themselves a little bit? We all saw the celebrations at the end at the end of the game. Look, there's a certain aspect to that, but I I don't think you can describe with words. I don't think the English vocabulary goes that far just to describe us for A, Galway football and B, Porrick Joyce. You're talking about an icon of the game who potentially would have had his reputation tarred as a result of the manager career going a bit south. And let's ultimately, that's what would have happened had Galway not got over the line today. You look at the likes of Steve Stolton to, to transfer to other codes. Wonderful player, but we all focus him with that interview or the manager career that went a bit off. So it was so 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 important and you did see an absolute avalanche of just emotion and even Barry will know Sheridan's there in Milltown is absolutely buzzing it's the first stop I was talking to Paddy the kit man just there on the road uh, Tommy uh, Porrick's brother a little bit earlier on as well just stopping off there it's a, it's kind of the the iconic trip home from, from Castle Bowie football hasn't had the biggest following in recent years um, you look Why at the league one well I think it's 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 catch 22 really isn't it obviously you've had the, the the hurlers have been at the cream of the crop in terms of being a dual code county for the last couple of years the football hasn't been the greatest at times and there's been a bit of a, a detachment away from, from football I suppose in the county you look at there was what was there a couple of hundred people if, if even in Crow Park for the league final there a couple of weeks ago um, and this feels like a Again, you don't want to go too overboard about it here in a preview show during the week. This felt like it could be a 98 moment, going down to the other, the, down to Mayo, going down to McHale Park, going down to the the team that's been in the All-Ireland final previously, going down to the team, going down playing the team as complete underdogs in feeling at the start of something new. And it felt like that. That emotion is there. Now, obviously, the, the thing about it is with, with Porrick and the management team, they will have to settle things down. But I, I, I genuinely think they, they will do. I think there's huge, huge improvements and... Uh, it was interesting in just speaking to both Parik and Conor Gleeson afterwards, and they both said the same thing, and it, it strikes in my mind that how they focused the third quarter to get at Mayo. And look, that's where Galway ultimately made their hate today. Um, you, this, this huge aspects of the game and facets of the game that would need huge, huge improvement. Like the kickouts got scary, like really, really scary there when Mayo put the squeeze on. But like, is small moments, Paul Kelly coming out and winning that one out the middle, just moments. And I suppose if you want to see one step of the involvement of the team from the last couple of years under Porrick's reign, where he's been known as, you know, wanting to play this romantic, beautiful, flown football, I think he's realised now, he's said it multiple times in, 
interviews over the years how we need to be more streetwise, we need to be have a bit more of an edge, can't play all out attack. And it's that period that Barry touched on there with lie when he got the black card, how they wound the clock down. Look, it's horrible to watch as an opposition, but you look that's the way football is at the moment and have to match it. And they are showing edges to it. And you saw that in the setup. I think there's a good bit more to come. And look, I've, I've spoken to you, Tommy, a number of times over the course of the year. I, I felt Keane O'Neill is going to be already a, such an improvement. And I felt that he would have something up for, for his sleeve for today. And we saw it. And uh, let's hope as uh, Galway fans that uh, I think the championship is better if uh, Galway are flying in it. I heard a year to the off. Go away now, lads. Jonathan, thanks a million for dialing in. Great to hear from you again. Owen, you thanks for checking in as well. Safe home on the way back from Castle Bar. And Phelan, thanks for calling in a little earlier too. Barry and Dahi, you might hang on a little, uh, little longer. Dahi, I want to turn to the hurling in the next couple of minutes. But just a reminder that you are listening to GA Late Night. This is our championship phone-in show and off the ball. Dahi and Barry are both with me this evening. We're talking through the games, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear from the fans. That is what this show is all about. You'll get the Hurling Pod during the week with James Scahill and Paul Murphy, the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. You'll get Gaelic Football and Hurling Analysis on Off the Ball and OTBAM every night during the week. But tonight, the same way the lads do it on a Friday night for the League of Ireland, this is the f- and our audience to have their say. There's no point tweeting us abuse during the week. Come on now and have your cut. Have your say. That's the way I say it. So, Dai, Armagh are one of these teams that have been talked up quite a bit, the Armagh footballers. I don't know how closely you know you've kept on them. Um, Barry, you were obviously watching this game as well today, were you? Or did you, you obviously miss it? You were in Castle Bar. Donegal? Uh, yeah, I, I caught, I caught, I arrived in Castle Bar relatively early, so I caught, I caught bits of it and listened to, listened to more of it. Um, and you have to be impressed with Donegal. And I'm actually, do you know what? I'm delighted for, for Declan Bonner and delighted for Stephen Rochford because I felt they were getting a bit like Dahi mentioned the Mayo footballers. I felt there was a little bit of unfair criticism coming their way, um, and maybe we overegged the pudding, for want of a better phrase, in terms of our ma um, and the Kieran McGinley factor. But certainly, uh, Donegal had their had their had their had their homework done today, and again back to a like, class is permanent. I thought Michael Murphy was just outrageous again today. Yeah, he was unbelievable. I think part of that as well has been. Donegal have been perceived as contenders over the last couple of years and they've just let us down a couple of years in a row. Di, I don't know, I don't know what you make of that. Um yeah. I think it's very interesting actually. Um you see, Bonner was never the same profile as McGuinness. And following McGuinness' success, in many respects he was on a hiding from nothing, but he's a really talented coach. And bringing in Rochford gave a lot of credibility to the project that's going on up there. But there's a Armagh because of McGinney as well and and I understand that and that's just that's kind of the way this thing works whereas Bonner doesn't seem to have that persona that but yet he's a very very good coach and like I say Rochford going up there as well so I was really interested in that game I was watching the tip game but I kept tuning in and out uh, the BBC One just kind of touching base with it but again listening and looking at Murphy doing the business again a phenomenal guy very interested to hear Jim McGuinness back the years talk, talk about Murphy the way he did an outstanding young man met him captain at such a young age such a leader but I would have been I would think Armagh very disappointed with that to put a huge emphasis on getting the boys back and there was nothing about Donegal coming into it and you kind of felt that Jesus in, in, into their back garden for Donegal that was a serious result and, and and I'd have to agree I'm delighted for Declan Bonner as well because he's not a guy that gets a huge amount of plaudits out there yet Donegal have been at the cutting edge for the last number of years and I do think Rochford w- will help that and and is a very very smart man and was very unlucky not to get over the line with Mayo so they've got footballers up there we know that yeah, I'd love a really to... good management side and I would say that's a huge knockback for our man today yeah, I'd love to hear from Donegal fans tonight and Armagh fans because Donegal have definitely flattered to deceive over the last couple of years. I would be a massive fan of that side and they've got serious quality. We know the quality they have, but they've fallen short two years in a row. Maybe this is the year that they get a run. And Armagh, Dahi, you're saying they're they're finished? Like no, that, that was a big letdown. No, no, well, not that they're finished, but it was a big blow. But that was well, a big letdown today. But. Yeah, it's a huge blow. You know, they had a really good... You've got to take it in this context as well. But it's McGinney. So we know they're going to be 100% tuned in, that every player is buying in to the project. Other than that, you don't... You, you don't McGinney doesn't have you. So we know that he's got yeah. a bunch of players, big, strong, fast, fit men. But yes, taken down today and taken down hugely. Okay. 
Interesting, right? We're going to move to the other game in Ulster here, and we are going to get to Hurland shortly. I'm waiting on callers. The quicker the callers come on, the quicker I'll move to the Hurland. So, Hurland fans, if you want to hear some Hurland, hit the request button to speak. So, Dahi, hold on, hold on two seconds there. Roland Hurricane, can I bring you in? Roland of the Boar's Head fame. You're really a cabin man, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, how are you, Tommy? How are you doing? You're welcome to GA Late Night. Cheers. Um, no, I just wanted to call in just to give a bit of credit to both the two Cavan teams that played this weekend, the under-20s to Manic and I think Tyrone were heavily taking lads playing against Antrim yesterday because I think a lot of the a lot of the pundits and stuff thought it was going to be a lot closer match. And I think that even like a lot of people even tipped Antrim and Cavan to be in the second half. And I think I think the final score they were up by thirteen. So I thought they um I thought they kind of put their money where their mouth was, or if you know what I mean. And uh, I thought they uh, performed quite well, like in in maybe a bit of a maybe not as much of a shock, but just that they performed. It was a bit of a wider gap than people expected. And especially with the whole Caseman Park and Corrigan Park thing, in a weird way, I almost think it might have played against the whole Antrim thing as well. Did you feel like the game should be moved from Corrigan Park beforehand? I feel like you did. I feel like that it might have been a bit misrepresented, to be honest. Like, I think that people tried to compare it against the Newbridge or Nowhere thing, but in like from my understanding, I don't think it was the Cavan bathroom that actually requested it. So I think it kind of got a bit spun a bit. And maybe it got a bit miscommunicated, or at least that's my understanding. So I think, like, I think it should have been like, even though ironically, Carrigan Park actually didn't fill out today. But I think that's no. mainly due to the fact of the fact that so many people thought they wouldn't get tickets because of Carrigan Park, almost like. So I think, and then you also had a million other factors, Ed Sheeran and stuff like that, which I, I actually think would have been a huge factor as well for a lot of people, because Dublin's so close to Calvin. But um, no, I just wanted to give them credit. And there was one other thing, Tommy, I just wanted to ask you and uh, the pundits on. that. Um, one thing we were, one of few, a few of us were chatting on today is that it's, is there almost a disincentive now to win in the provincial finals like there was years ago? Because I think there's about a three or four week gap between the provincial finals and the quarterfinals, which in which the back door, I think, is going to be played now. So does that mean that, like, let's say Mayo now, let's say they you know, regroup and then, like, manage to get to a quarterfinal like they are and stuff. Is is that almost going to be disincentive to, let's say, Galway or Roscommon, who might, or Leitrim or, or Sligo, who might end up winning a Connacht? It's an interesting point, Ronan, definitely. Um, like, you see it, the benefit of the, the round-robin games and the hurling die, the, the games you're getting, constant games, back-to-back quality games. Would you see that could be a big a big issue in championship this year in the football? I think it's a really good point that's been made there because, I mean, provincial championships, there'll be pious plaudits been given by counties in relation to, no, no, it depends on where a team is at. Like, at the end of the day, you go back to the Galway, Mayo, Galway conceivably can win Connacht and irrespective of what happens after, that's progress. Porridge Joyce can point to it, but ultimately it's a provincial title. So they've been lessened. There's no doubt they've been lessened because lesson for the simple reason that if you remember Cavan winning an Ulster title under Martin McHugh a number of years ago and what it meant to a whole county and you know there wasn't a back door of course at the time. So it was blue ribboned. Nowadays, I don't think Mayo are going to sit down tonight and go, we have lost the opportunity to win a Connacht final. That's not what's going to tax James Horn and his management team. It's going to be where they fell down today and what we can do. It's not because they're out of Connacht. It's how they can recalibrate and get back to making an attack in an All-Ireland final. So conceivably, Galway can win a provincial title and look back at the end of the year and say, well, that's progress. And conceivably, Mayo can win an All-Ireland title. I think there's a devaluation depending on what county it is. If Cavan win Ulster this year, that's not devalued. That's going to mean a hell of a lot for the progress of this team, who, let's face it, aren't considered real contenders. Tyrone... Tyrone and Donegal are. But if Cabin were to go on and win Ulster, it would be like a number of years ago when they did. It would be like Tipperary winning yeah. a Munster football final. That's not devalued. But I mean, for some of the bigger guns, if they get caught on a day, they'll recalibrate and they'll set up. It's a really good point that's been made. Roland, thanks for calling in. Um, I just want to get back to Loud very quickly. Dan, do you want to unmute yourself there in the bottom left-hand corner? You're on GA Late Night. Loud and proud. How are you doing? Good, Tommy. Good after um, a good day in Navin. We usually go to Navin and get victories, which is weird, going across the border to get the yeah. job done. But I actually agree with Dottie and Ronan's point there for, for where a team is at, for, for where Loud is at and where Mickey Hart has come in and he's trying to 
gauge a bit of judgment on where he can go with this season and overall his progress. It's in the championship. Like we get up in the league, but if we get a good run in, sorry, in the provincial uh, championship, not just championship overall, because that's where we're at. Taking a crack of Kildare next weekend will be massive and see how far we can gauge that league gap. They've come down from Division 1. They're very unlucky now to uh, get relegated. But how, how confident are you? I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly confident after today's display, but that, today was just about getting the job done. Like, to say Loud like, didn't play well but still beat Carlo by 15 points, it was a bit of a snore fest, you know. It was just uh, like... Connor Grimes our full forward gets a goal after 70 minutes and it's basically procession after that that put us 1-5 to a point ahead and then after that it was just it was just going through Sam Leroy earlier on I was surprised that a lot of players were left out on the field for the second half maybe Mickey's conscious of getting the uh, minutes into the legs or getting the dirty diesel out of the system ahead of Kildare Glenn Ryan was there doing his due diligence. Uh, seeing uh, Johnny Doyle was there as well. So probably a lot more Kildare people there than you would have imagined. To get a look at loud, I don't think they would have learned anything from today, to be honest. Okay. Maybe a couple of things in our kickouts. Maybe see actually James Calliff, the well-spoken midfielder, turn goalkeeper, press right into the middle of the field for kickouts. A couple of little things like that. But overall, we might have hoodwinked Kildare if it goes right next week. You know, do you know the point they're making, Tommy? I get you, yeah. Is that game in Newbridge? I'm just trying to find it here. No, it's not. It's in Tullamore. It's just been confirmed. Okay. It's in Tullamore um, because Wicklow beat um, Leash. Yes. Meet of a home game now against Wicklow in Navan. And I don't know why Port Leash wasn't on the cards, but we have no arrangement with Kildare to play a home away fixture. Okay. So it's been neutral venue in Tullamore, four o'clock, actually, next Sunday. Brilliant. Okay. So, uh, well, Sunday the 1st of May, yeah, 4 o'clock, and meet in Wicklow's at 2 o'clock. I'd love to hear from a couple of Wicklow callers. Dan, I'm going to let you go. Thanks a million for dialing in there. I'm going to bring Phelan and Barry back in here for one more second, because I forgot to get to Phelan to this earlier on. Barry, I don't know if you know it, but Phelan McEnumra played against you when you were a kid. <laughs> Phelan, hop in here. Um, I, I, I doubt, I very much doubt he remembers me now, Tommy, to be honest, because I was one of the prepubescent speed bumps that Barry had to deal with because um, he was a bit of a lump of a young lad. Um, it was actually, I think it, was, I think it would have been one of the first games he ever played. I'm, I'm a Branagh's man, uh, Barry, so you would have played Westboard uh, for a few years anyway. And um, I'll never forget it. I think um, I we, we we were playing you out there in Clare Galway and our manager, Garrow Denver, Sean, Sean Denver's father who played, Sean who played wing forward there for our wing back for Galway for a couple of years, um, came in as white as a sheet and he goes to our other coach and he goes, who was who was about six foot two, and he goes, Jesus John, which meant there's a man out there and he's as big as you. And sure, he went out in the pitch anyway. And uh, I mean, Barry looked like he drove himself there. Um, and <laughs> you'd be checking for an engage, you'd be checking for an engagement ring on him. To be honest, uh, how big he was. I have a theory that I don't think Barry had to jump to field the ball until he was about sixteen. <laughs> I, I didn't know where that story was going to go so it, it didn't end too badly but uh, geez, we, yeah we, we had um, I, I don't remember playing against Phelan in particular but I, I remember playing against Nabrani on numerous occasions we were uh, geographically where we're situated Tommy we could have been thrown into the north board or the west board depending on where they wanted to where they were stuck for numbers so um, although we we claim to have uh, on Gale Tuck status we we uh, we certainly weren't as fluent in Irish playing the Branny, and they they were able to they were able to get around us using a use, using their Irish quite a bit. But no, great battles with with the lads out west, and uh, great for them, great memories. And was the size difference that stark at underage level? Can you confirm or deny? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I actually, didn't play. Uh, I kind of stopped playing football with Clare Galway from about under twelve to. I know under fourteen, I think, and then I didn't play again until until intermediate. So um, I was playing playing a bit of bit of hurling in Thurlock Moor, but uh, yeah, I was a big lump as Salem called me, and and at the moment uh, after COVID and everything, an, an even bigger lump. Salem, Salem, thanks for joining us. Go back and enjoy that whiskey, Barry. You might hang on, right? Because yeah, yeah. I had brought you on for the football and Galway specifically, but. You, you did, of course, play football and hurling for Galway. You won a duel All-Ireland back in 05. You were on that team with Michael Meehan in the football. And did you win a hurling that year as well in 05? Yeah, I was, I was, um, I was very lucky. We, uh, it's certainly when someone like a, a good horse, I found a bit of form just at the right time. And it was probably the last time 
that the football under 21 and hurling were played at, at different times of the year. So we won the football early doors with a senior football campaign. Uh, Cork betters in a quarter final, and I was lucky just to to find my way into a go under 21 panel that ended up beating Kilkenny in an All Ireland final, a team that had the likes of Owen Larkin and Richie Power and these lads. Um, I didn't have a. I, I started that game. I didn't finish it. I didn't have an awful lot to do with it. But the likes of Niall Healy, David Collins, Kenneth Burke were the the stars of that, and I probably piggybacked piggybacked off them. But it was a it was a great year. But um, was that in some of the, Was that fun? Uh, it was in uh, the Jesus. No, it was in Limerick. We played the final in Limerick. We we got a couple of late. I think we got a late goal. As it's actually nearly it's nearly twenty years ago at this stage, which is a scary a scary thought. But uh, the football final was in Tullamore, and the the hurling final was in Limerick. Some achievement, unbelievable. Die. Oh. Let's talk about the hurling. I'd love to hear what you make of it after the first weekend we had last week. What's your feeling after this weekend? Uh, really... Result of the weekend, Dublin, I have to say, going down to uh, Wexford in the last number of minutes against Galway. I, I fancied Wexford hugely for that. That's a huge result for Dublin. It really is. Um, I thought I thought Limerick and Waterford was the highest levels of Hurling I've seen in a long, long time. That's where those two counties are. thought it was phenomenal. I think uh, Lynch's potential injury or the injury he got in the potential can be pivotal because he's just, he's just such an extraordinary player. Mm. But I really like Waterford and the way they responded to, you know, Limerick last night. Really poor Waterford crowd. Love to know why people didn't travel to that because that, that was a huge game. Waterford normally travelling huge numbers. I know it wasn't a child-friendly time and that kind of thing, but Waterford are playing it their way and they're not afraid to take Limerick on. And Conceivably, they'll meet later in the year. Tip but that thing. I want to just before we get the tips yeah. here, here. I just want to give people a reminder. You're listening to GA Light, Late Night. This is Off the Ball's Championship Phone and Show. So if you want to have a word about the hurling, we're going to try and focus on the hurling for the next little while. But if anyone's listening in and they want to talk football, I noticed a couple of Wicklow heads joining there. Um, a couple of Armagh boys in the corner. I see some Mayo, a strong Mayo contingent there listening in. Um, and uh, yeah, anyone who's at the games this weekend, feel free to just request a chat. And I'll put you on to Barry and Dahi over the next little while. Dahi on Waterford, with about seven or eight minutes to go in that game, I think Limerick are six, seven clear. It looked like a couple. How important was it? That they no, it was never around, around, Tommy. No, it, 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 never, it was never going to be that. Even with six or seven minutes to go, it didn't look like it was going to be a route. It looked like it was going to its inevitable conclusion, which was, for a finish, a, a reasonably comfortable win for Limerick, but not a route. I wouldn't agree with you there. But Waterford have set up to score goals. They power through the middle. If they can break a tackle, they'll have numbers coming either side. Like Desi Hutchinson was so well marshaled for a long period of the game. Yeah. And then he hit three or four in a row. Like, Waterford, prior to the start of the championship, it was like, Waterford probably are the team that conceivably could take them down. And I see nothing from Waterford that diminishes my view on that. But then again, I've seen nothing from Limerick that diminishes my view that they are, are the most likely team to win the All-Ireland final. But that was heavyweights going at it last night. The but, two but, best teams in the country. But Dahi, like we saw last week and we saw the psychological impact that Limerick have over Cork at the minute. And I genuinely believe that they do have a massive psychological advantage over Cork. If Limerick did go on and they pushed on with seven or eight minutes to go, and clocked up a big score on Waterford. Do you not think that has an impact? Well, probably, but they didn't. They, they didn't. If I'm Waterford, and I'm Liam Cal today, and I'm that Waterford bunch going into training, I'm going in with a bounce on our step. Absolutely. They've narrowed it down to such a level, I really believe that it won't take the Waterford players convincing if they're to meet later in the year that you can do these, that you're not going into it with a lot of hope that you're going into it with an absolute conviction. If we carry our game plan off, we can beat them. That's how close they are getting to Limerick. So you're 100% right, Tommy. If it's a thing Limerick had kicked on and won it by 7, 8, 9 or 10, you're, you're, you're 100% right. You'd look at it and you say, wow, we brought our best to it and still they're that bit ahead of us. But yet when Waterford turned it on, I mean, they cut them open, absolutely cut them open. Now, brilliant finish and a great response from Limerick. But... If you're Waterford, there is enough... Like, I don't think Waterford are, are at any risk of not coming out of Munster. 
None whatsoever. And okay. the proof of the pudding will be if they turn around and put the next couple of matches to the sword, the next couple of teams to the sword, Cork and Clare, and qualify with relative ease out of it. Then yesterday is something that they'll reflect on. They will forensically look at it. It'll be in the reservoir uh, for later on in the year, and I expect that that will be the case with them. But Limerick are still the best team in the country, but Waterford are not a million miles off them. Interesting one. And Barry, I want to get your take on that as well. I just want to bring in Conor McKenna. Conor McKenna's bio on Twitter is the most travelled GA supporter in Ireland, and I can probably confirm that for him because... The man has been, I think, to games. Connor, have you been to games in every county in Ireland? Are you missing Mrs. one? Mrs. Ligo and Leitrim, Tommy, so that, that's the next on the list. You'll have to sort that out this year, Connor. You're very welcome to GA Late Night. What game were you at this weekend and what do you want to chat to the last Yeah, about? I'm just home there from Ballybuffet for Donegal Armagh. It was, it, was, it was a poor enough game of football in truth. I thought it was going to be the best game of the weekend, to be honest with you, hence why I chose to go there. But Armagh were, were a bit very, very flat and I suppose they played very much into Donegal's hands. I think it was a mistake conceding kickouts and it cost him dearly, but Donegal got the job done very professional and it was a very, very solid display and I, I expect them to probably be Cavan and get to us final now, to be honest with you. Dahi, uh, you'll enjoy talking to Connor here. Connor, you're based in the Midlands, yeah. are you? Are you originally from West the Midlands? Me. And uh, you hit the road every weekend to a game. Yeah, every week. I was down in Parky Cueve last weekend now and I'm planning to go to Oman now next Sunday, so the car is getting plenty of mileage. It's a new enough car, so badly needed as well. You're at that game today and you make a perceptive comment about conceding the kickouts and allowing them to start building possession, which Donegal like to do, is continuously allow the opposition to take kickouts and build. If that's the way they want to build, why allow them to do it? Why not go up, pick a man and force them to do what they don't want to do? Contest the ball in the middle of the field with long kickouts because Armagh have big men and converge on it like Limerick Hurlers did back in 2018. But yet teams continuously allow the opposition to have it and then work their way up. And if they're good enough and create one overlap, the whole thing opens. So you've made that point. Yet Kieran McGinney, a smart man, a smart manager, why, why isn't he not looking at that and saying, force them to do what they don't want to do, kick it into the middle of the field and we congregate on the breaks? Well, that's a, a good question. A lot of answers. I won't have them all. But I suppose that's probably one of the biggest criticisms I have of Armagh today on a purely personal level is I think they played very much into Donegal's hands and allowed Donegal's game plan to thrive. And I don't think Donegal's game plan is a secret by any means. It's, in fact, they're probably too one-dimensional, if anything. And I think Armagh very much played into their hands. And Michael Murphy today, I think he definitely won his battle. Paddy McBearty step up. I thought Michal Langan was, was excellent for Donegal's perspective. And I think Donegal kind of, everything went right for them on the day. But Armagh did not make it as tough as they could have done. And Armagh could have been very close to winning that game in different circumstances, I think. Now, I think Armagh would rightly point out that the goal after half-time was incorrectly disallowed, but even then, I feel did you, did you think that? Did you think that at the time? It was, it was very far down the pitch. It was hard to see, but just going by all replays, it looked very hard to see what the free was for. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. but I, do, I don't think, I don't, but I, I think just, I had a gut instinct that Donegal, even if the goal had gone in Donegal, they would have had too much for him, to be honest, you know. Okay, last one on this, Connor. Watching on, Ryan McHugh was named Man of the Match on the TV coverage by BBC. Who would you give Man of the Match to today? I'd be interested um, to hear. Probably. <laughs> it's a tough one. I think Man of the Match is, is always a hard one. Cause, but I thought McHugh was probably the correct choice, to be fair. I thought Langan as, Langan as well could have, been, could have been a contender. And Paddy McBearty as well stood out. But yeah, Ryan McHugh, was, it was a solid choice. Wouldn't be critical. Well, Brendan Bre Brendi McCall did a savage job on Rean O'Neill as well. And Owen Bon Gallagher was a huge outball for them. Connor, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. I'm going to bring in... Andrew, Andrew Loud here. Barry, can you talk to us for a second about the vibe in Galway hurling at the minute? Um, they obviously racked up a big, big score this weekend. Last weekend, they'll have been very, very disappointed, only drawn to Wexford when they were six points up at one stage. And you see what, what happened to Wexford then against Dublin. What is the vibe at the minute? Um, in general, no, I, was, I was actually lucky enough to be, to be at the Limerick Cork game myself last weekend. And I think... He's right. I think Limerick and Waterford are playing at a level that no other team can get to. Now, that's not that never guarantees that they're going to win the All Ireland, but I think both of those teams are operating. They're operating at a, at a cut above a cut above everyone else. I think in Galway, there is a there's a there's a, a fair level of optimism and there's a fair level of realism. 
if that makes sense. So I think we know right now, I personally, and I, and I think anyone that I was chatting to Will and getting out of Leinster, I personally have never felt we're as good as people people were talking about. That's only my own personal personal opinion. I think that proved over uh, yesterday. And I, to be honest, a bit like today in Castle Bar where they, you know, Mayo came back. And if Mayo snatched a draw, it would have been very similar to Wexford snatching a draw against our Hurlers. I thought for 50 minutes, Wexford were extremely poor against Galway and Galway should have put them away. That's that's just maybe a, a maroon and white tinted glasses on. But yeah, I, I think that the level of optimism is fair. The level of realism is fair. Nobody's getting carried away saying we've Henry Shefflin. This is going to bring automatic success. Nobody is saying let's give them a free ride that we don't have the players. I think we know that we have a lot of good young hurlers coming through, but maybe the fact that Joe Canning is gone, I think we might be now getting a true sense of the importance that, that Joe Canning was to Galway hurling. And I think just in terms of Limerick, if, like I've watched them a good bit. I said I saw them last week against Park Creeve. I saw them last night. If the one glimmer of hope, um, and I don't know what Dahi agree with me on this, the one glimmer of hope I would give is that, and I know Aaron Gillan got man of the match yesterday, but they, they probably don't have a, an out-and-out Joe Canning or TJ Reid up front. Garrett Hegarty is a supreme hurler, but is he going to get 14 or 15 points like one of those guys might? Maybe not. And that's the only sense that I can get that any team might have a little bit of hope against Limerick. But I think Galway just realised we don't have a Joe Canning coming and it might take a couple of years just to, to find our level back right up at the top again. That's an interesting one. Dahi, I want to get you on go in a minute, but I just want to bring in Andrew Loud. Andrew, do you want to come in and have a chat with Barry and Dahi here? Andrew, you're, you're, you're on mic there. Work away. Yeah, so um, I'm a, I'm a Kikani man. Uh, evening, lads. How are you getting on? But uh, and I think uh, Barry, I think it's interesting that you were just talking there about uh, the feeling of the of Galway uh, towards uh, its prospects this year and towards Henry Sheffield. I think I think all the Leinster teams are kind of finding that at the moment because I think it is clear from what uh, as what Dahi said, Limerick and Waterford. That was the warm up. That was the warm up for the All Ireland final. I think. I just think they're operating on a level so much higher than all the other teams, be it Galway, trying to figure out where they are in the pecking order. And I think next weekend, Barry, I don't know how you feel about this. I think next weekend, uh, Galway and uh, Kilkenny at Pierce Stadium, I think that'll be the first real test of both Kilkenny and Galway in this championship to see whereabouts they are. Yeah, I certainly agree with you. Um I think Galway have a, there's a big advantage to Galway in that they have Kilkenny in Dublin. So, you know, no disrespect to Leash, who actually, you know, there's a big, strong Galway connection and that Francis Ford is, is coaching Leash and is doing a brilliant job with them, even if, if I do say so myself. He's from my own club. Um, um, but the fact, you know, let, let's take that Galway will get a, a, a victory over Leash. They, they got a good one over Westmeath yesterday. It is a huge advantage to Pier Stadium. Um, it's it's not the easiest place to find your feet, and Galway, you know, they'll feel that we think you know historically Galway and Kilkenny has been high score and real good quality, um, and Galway in general over the last couple of years have probably had Kilkenny's measure, and I'd say come Saturday evening there'll be a little bit of bite in it. I think Henry will, will want to to show that he's not just coming to Galway for for uh, for a little bit of experience. He's coming to Galway to win. And I don't think himself and Richie O'Neill would have come up here if they thought it was a team in transition. So they'll be going after it. Um but it will be interesting to see like it'll probably be the first time we'll have seen Kilkenny with the full with the full full deck out. I know they had it yesterday, but they had, a, I suppose, a facile enough victory. But interesting to see how the likes of Owen Cody, how the likes of TJ Reid, how they actually fit in to the Kilkenny setup now. Because looking at them, and I don't know, is it coming from um, a coaching point of view or is it coming from the top down in terms of Cody? They're trying to evolve their style of play. And this will probably be the first year, the first time that this, the Ballyhale guys will be in that style of play. So it will be interesting to see. But I think all will, they'll fancy their chances, but a, a huge amount of it will depend on, on whether Conor Whelan can get back in time or not. That's, it looks like it looks like he won't, but if he did, then it ups Galway's chances by, by 10 or 15%. That's 2 o'clock next Sunday, and that game is going to be live on the TV. I just want to bring in Podrick Keller here. Podrick, I think you're dialing in from Limerick, are you? You're very welcome to GA late night. Do you want to have a chat with the lads? Yeah, how are you doing, lads? Yeah, Dylan from Limerick, uh, here in Federmore County, Limerick. Uh, loving the show, so fair play. Thanks for, 
Thanks for putting it on. Um, just a, a quick comment or question even for Dahi. Um, it would be around Gerard Hegarty the last couple of games. Um, obviously, there was a lot of profile. He got sent off against Galway. Look, he's look, he's fair enough. He's no angel. He's committed himself. He's living on the edge. But I think referees are inclined to kind of nearly target him now. It's small bit. Um, like, I think if it was the other way around, the, the, the belt he got in the, the back of the head yesterday, evening towards the end of the game, um, I'd say it could have been a red card for him, like the water player got yellow carded. Like, you know, it's just something I kind of noticed in a couple of games. I was wondering, was I the only one or Dahi, would you have a, a view on it? No, I, I happen to agree 100% with you. Now, sometimes when you bring it on yourself, you know, you are a target, and that's just the way things work in life. I mean, if it's Austin Leeson who does the same thing as well, yeah. spotlights on him. <laughs> I mean, I think Garrod Hegarty is, is just an, a phenomenal athlete. He's an extraordinary hurler. Uh, pace, power, skill, the whole thing. And he's had a pr propensity the last couple of years, at times, you know, to, 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 to leave the hurling behind him afterwards. And you, I've looked at it and thought, you're a sensational hurler. You don't need to do that. But I, I, do, I do think he's got an incredible manager there that would have sat down with him this year and said, the risk is, if you do something, now that there's a, a, a target on your back and you get red carded, that conceivably could be the difference between us potentially not winning All-Ireland Final. And I'd like to think the guy is smart enough to know I'm in love with my game. I love where we're at. I love where I'm at as a player and the accolades that's coming along with it. So I'll tailor it. So he will be getting targeted. But there's no doubt if it was him that had been at the receive or had committed that stroke. Like I, th I thought looking at it, even when he got it, I thought that's pretty bad to be fair about yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. like, y y you know, so I, I, I think these players, we need to laud these players. There, there's, there's an onus on referees to, to, to be able to have the sense to look at the likes of these players, and instead going out with a kind of a preordained view that if Hegarty goes at it or whoever it is goes at it, I'll nail him straight away. They also need to take a responsible view of it, and I'm going to keep as much of a close eye on that because we don't want to see that creeping in, and it's there, and it's been there for a while. But, like, keep his head, what I would say to him in Austin as well. Keep the head. You're going to get it. You're going to get verbals that you'll never see on television. It's going to go on. And people are looking for a reaction and probably actually been coached because there's a lot of cynicism been coached in hurling and football over the years. We've, we've seen it creep into the way, the, the free arm, etc. So if you're volatile in any way and you're that type of a suspect character to an extent, you're open to slapping back or doing something immediate that you'll bloody well regret, but it could be the difference between being sent off. So they also need protection and referees have got to be aware if someone is targeting them as well. So there's a balance, a balance to it. I want to see those guys on the pitch exhibiting what they do best. If you're a manager of an opposition, of course you're going to say get into them a small bit and see what you can do. Just they've got to be mature enough to keep the heads because they're a point of difference to teams. Both of those players as examples they're a point of difference in losing games. They're that good. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I was in at the match obviously last night. Like, John, fascinating. Like, it, John, the, the tactics nowadays are, are at a different level. Like, you know, um, just like Prunty came out of full back to man Mark or Hegarty last night. You know, I don't think anyone in the country could, could have predicted that one. Like, you know, Waterford also started, uh, was it Carlock Daly, number 17, man marked uh, Galang. So effectively, they brought out uh, two of their full back line last night playing Limerick. Like, you know, and, you know, I think it's, it's we're all saying would Lean Cahill show his hand? Like, you know, I think maybe he what he did was he show, showed, showed the other hand potentially, like, you know, um, but I suppose we'll see. Another, are you another worried, Patrick, are, you wor are you worried? Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, yeah. I thought last. I think Waterford to me and Limerick are the own are the best two teams out there with a systematic game plan. Okay, now I know, I know every every team like Clare today were awesome against Tipperary, like you know. But just as a game plan and just knowing what they're doing and how drilled and calm go, knowing when to follow the man out. Let's say the halfbacks were were out further than than usual last night, and not like I think Waterford and Limerick. Um, are, are the two best teams out there like you know I'd be wary of Kilkenny if they st I watched it, you know, the first time I probably watched them close it was the semi-final in um, in the league and they started doing a short passing I was like oh Jesus if Kilkenny start doing short passing now and getting onto the same game as us we could be in trouble because naturally they have the hurlers but there would have been a bit of criticism there for Kilkenny just playing, playing the traditional side the last number of years like you know but um, yeah I, I definitely look I don't know will we get the three games everyone's talking about Waterford and Limerick three games this year look if we do it'd be great from a Limerick point of view because it would mean we'd, we'd be surely in the All-Ireland final but um, 
yeah, I, I definitely, I, I definitely would be worried. But look, I suppose we beat them the last five games, you know. To, I suppose, but I suppose Limerick, you know, the success is relatively new to us. You know, we're, we're the Limerick Hurlers were starved success for a long time. Like, geez, we're going to Turles and Innes and, and Parky Quay for years and getting hammered. Crest of a waves type stuff, like you know. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy, I've just make a brief point on that. Back, back years ago, you'd look at teams and you'd say, on a day, a team can be can be beaten. But nowadays, it's about systems, and that's a good point being made. Waterford and, and Limerick are playing a system of hurling that's power and pace, and it's about moving forward. It's predicated on striking a ball 40, 50 yards, taking it in the hand first time. Every pass been executed sublimely, 100% execution most of the time, under the severest of pressure. So it's skill set, it's skill set under pressure, it's skill set under pressure at speed. Now, Henry Shepsville, but he's implementing his game plan now in Galway. The difficulty Galway have is, and this isn't or anything like that, is that Limerick and Waterford are further along in the development of where they're playing their game and the level they're playing it at. So it's very difficult to come in and meet that level that they're playing. It'll take time for Galway to do it. Galway's super player. Galway a very, very talented squad of players. But to come up against the power and the pace that the other two are at at the moment, it's not that potentially they couldn't beat them on a day. Limerick or Waterford are way off. And to do that, you have got to be so physical to break up the precision of the game that they play. So that's where, where Galway probably have a bit of a difficulty this year is they have lots of players and their time may come in two to three years, maybe Waterford will only start reaching their peak then. It goes back to, as a team, you have a six-year cycle. Two years coming, two years at the top, two years on the way down. It depends on where your team is versus the team like Limerick now, where you're at. You may get one, you may get two, you may get none. Yeah, it's just, if you have time, I just, I, I found it very interesting because I hadn't seen Limerick live since the 18 finals. So I went in to Parky Cueve last Sunday, no disrespect to Cork, really just focusing on on what Limerick were doing really on the line and and two or three things struck me and Porrick will have a better insight than me than this so I noticed in the game constantly on Garrod Hegarty and William O'Donoghue's back in terms of tracking and work and work at one stage William O'Donoghue ended up out in his arse beside John Coyley and instead of maybe like a lot of managers do give him a clap and praise him for his fabulous work rate it was literally it was aggression and getting him back out in the pitch and chase 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 and and I, I happened then to stumble across across John Coyley's um, John Kiley's interviews after the game, and I, I thought it was I thought it was really insightful. So the interview was twelve minutes. In the twelve minutes, he mentioned the word energy eleven times, and I think that John Kiley knows Limerick have the best hurlers in the country, but he has seen and looked at previous experience. He knows that teams get caught when they drop their level of energy, they drop their level of enthusiasm. And I'd say that's his big guarding point this year is that get the get the energy levels high, we have the hurlers. Get the energy energy levels low, then we'll be caught. And I just I don't know, is that something that Porik could have seen in league games yeah. or whatever? It's a, it's a it's a great point, yeah. Um, I think that energy, you if you translate that to actually what that is on the field, I, and you could see it there in the last twenty minutes of the game, there was lots of passages there. You know, Limerick were on top. Waterford didn't score a point, and I, was, I know they scored two goals, but didn't score any point from whatever the last twenty minutes, something like that. But if you see energy, to me, is having four, literally four or five Limerick fellas surround a Waterford guy in the middle of the field, like you know, you saw it there in the second half and around the halfway line. Um, and I think that's what he means by energy. Like you know, it's but it's constant. You have to, if they want if you want to be successful, the amount of turnovers now I think from being stood up inside in a ruck, basically, and you can't go anywhere, and it's over carrying. The referee's giving it for over carrying. That's that's to me that's energy. Like you know, to me that is that is that's what actual what it means. Like you know, um, it's a it's a phenomenal. It's happening again today in, in the Clare match. So it must be there to be called for over carrying because you can go and over. imagine trying having Garrod Hegarty, William O'Donoghue, you know. Even and and Daryl Donovan surrounding you, you know, and you're trying to get over, get a pass off to someone. Like it was, it's 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 next or impossible. Like you know, have we ever seen swarm tackling like this? Like it, it reminds me of a it's, constant loop of the Toronto. Street. There's a bit, yeah. in, I think there's a bit in that. Like you know, um, you know, everyone, Kylie and look, Paul Knurk is again another genius. Like his football background, I don't know if that's commented. Like you know, I've no idea. But just just when you when you when you mention it now, it, it does make sense. Like doesn't it? Yeah, great point yeah. there. Just before Thanks, we finish guys. on Limerick. Dahi and Barry, I'm keeping you both over time, but if you don't mind sticking with us, just 
two or three more minutes here, Dahi, if you can hang on. No problem. I'm going to bring in Connor Lynch from Limerick. Connor, do you want to have a quick word on Limerick before we wrap up here? Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, You're I was going to say, you were talking there about the, the, the wage uh, cycles. What cycle or what part of the cycle do you think Limerick are in at the moment? Do you think that they're in their second year peak after the performance of the last year? Or do you think they're only peaking right now? Oh, I think um, I think it's phenomenal when you look nowadays at, at just the whole skill set and where Limerick's at. It's a really good point that the lads are making there about the energy levels. And I think you recognise that. When, when you win constantly, sometimes the risk is the appetite is sated. And little things like how you live your life off the field. And I, I liken it to Kilkenny under Cody when they went for that five in a row team, where they were at as sportsmen in their life and how they would have been able to maybe achieve outside of that from a work point of view. If there were guys that were going to college and looked to be teachers, wanted to be teachers, the facility would have been there in Kilkenny for them to get, get teaching jobs in Kilkenny. And that's a great thing. That's what should be done for guys. So they recognised as well that outside of the, you know, the playing pitch, there's huge opportunities in life. And I just think Limerick are in this place at the moment that they're superbly looked after and they know this. So they also know now, you see, not just about an All-Ireland medal, but all this great success they're having. It's bringing them great opportunities in their life. And that is it from this week's edition of GA Late Night, the championship phone-in show. We would love to hear from you next Sunday night. We'll post the link up on the Off The Ball Twitter account over the weekend. Just hit it, set your reminder, listen in and have your say. We've got loads of good stuff for you here in the OTB GA podcast feed. Just hit subscribe. Thank you for listening in.